Hi guys, uh, welcome to the Joan Clark podcast. I'm Rona. And I'm Ira. And this is our very first episode, so we're just going to have a quick chat about what the podcast is about and a little bit about why we called it the Joan Clark podcast. Um, and then later on, we've got two amazing guests as well who are going to join us and share some of their experiences of, yeah, being female students in computer science, which is kind of the whole point of our podcast. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we've created this podcast to kind of promote diversity and inclusion uh, within the School of Computer Science community um, in St Andrews and we think that this would be a great way to kind of express and um, increase outreach amongst prospective students as well as just discuss a little bit about what we get up to while we're here. Yeah, so it's kind of like celebrating the women in the School of Computer Science in St Andrews which is the university that we're at. Um, and yeah, just trying to use it as a way to start discussions about diversity in um, this industry, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the School of Computer Science. Um, so I guess we can kind of jump into Joan Clark. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So Joan Clark, basically, if anyone has seen the Invitation Game, that was our kind of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Invitation Game, Kira Knightley plays Joan Clark, who is a cryptanalyst at Bletchley Park and works alongside Alan Turing. And yeah, we kind of we saw that and we thought, oh, we've never kind of heard of this person outside of maybe this film or mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hadn't heard of her before. So we wanted to find out a bit more about her and then ultimately give her some more recognition through yeah. um, naming our podcast after her. So basically Joan Clark worked in Bletchley Park with Alan Turing and a few other people and they were trying to break the German Enigma code. So she was part of the cryptanalyst team. Um, she was insanely smart. She yeah. went to Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um, she studied mathematics at Newham College, Cambridge and she achieved a double first um, and she became a Wrangler as well in 1939. So that basically meant she was like um, one of the top of the class but she never actually got to graduate or get a degree because Cambridge never issued um, degrees to women until 1948, which mm-hmm. is just insane to think because that's so recent yeah. to, to now. So yeah, she actually was awarded two prizes as well for her mathematical achievements, mm-hmm. so she did amazingly well and she was recruited from Cambridge to go and work at Bletchley as well. Mm-hmm. So Joan Clark was one of the only two women who were known to have worked on cryptology at Bletchley Park. Um, but of course, she earned significantly less than her male counterparts. She was actually she actually joined it um, as one of the quote unquote girls, um, which was a group of women doing clerical and administration work. So she wasn't even given the recognition for like her amazing contributions to um, breaking the the codes. Um, she was then promoted to quote unquote linguist in order to justify a salary increase um, that would recognize more of the work that she did. But again, you can see that she's not really being recognised for like the, the analysis or the mathematical work she's been doing. She's kind of been like, there's a glass ceiling, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually, um, there's a quote from her that we want to say. Um, so Joan Clark said that she enjoyed answering a questionnaire with great linguist. So she was a linguist, but the l- number of languages she knew were none. So you can tell that like, it's like a thinly veil- veiled, like... Um, I think she had a sense of humour about it. Yeah, she yeah. Quite, yeah. She quite funny about it, which is fair. Um, so, as Rona said, she worked alongside Alan Turing to de- decipher the um, Enigma messages and their work helped the Allies' naval efforts prevent German U-boat attacks. 
So she was extremely integral. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why we named the podcast after her because she was just so like imported and critical to the success. Yeah. So the other connection that we have to Joan Clark is that after she was married, um, so much later in life, she actually was engaged to Alan Turing as well, but that didn't work out. Um, and they ended up just being really close friends for the rest of his life. Um, and yeah, after her marriage, she and her husband moved up to Crail in Fife, which is really close to St Andrews where we study. And yeah, here she, I think she spent quite a lot of time actually re uh, researching historical coin collections in Scotland. So that was a slight diversion from her archaeology <laughs> in the past. But yeah, that's what she did for a while. And she lived in Crail for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I think she moved back down to um, Cambridge as well. Um, so we have a kind of connection to her and we wanted to celebrate her. Um, and ultimately, I think in the end, she was awarded an MBE for her efforts um, towards breaking these Enigma codes in World War II. Um, but we still don't really know the extent of the work that she did, partly because there's still continued secrecy about Bletchley Park and the work that was done there. They had to burn everything after the war um, to burn, like, to get rid of all the intelligence that they had. Um, but ultimately, it's clear that her work towards that really helped the British efforts during the war and probably managed to shorten the war and save thousands of lives. That's mm -hmm. kind of the quoted kind of prediction that their work helped mm -hmm. with. So yeah, that's Joan Clark. Um, yeah. We're very pleased to have her name on our podcast. Yeah. I hope she would have been happy, happy. to <laughs> yeah, to be part of it. So And I mean I think I'm I'm I think we're happy that we get to know about the amazing contributions that she did um, yeah. make, you know, and oh, it yeah, was through such a film. an inspiration. And yeah, she's such an inspiration and it's kind of great to like know that there were like women in the past who had such amazing um, significance. Um, but anyway, we're going to move on now to introducing our guests. Yeah. Um, so with us we have the lovely Katie and Anna, um, who are also with us in the School of Computer Science at St. Andrews. Um, so, Hi guys, I'm Casey. I'm Anna. We're very excited to have you here. <laughs> yeah. um, um, Anna, you mentioned earlier you have a story about Joan Clark. Do you want to share your story? It's not much of a story, but basically I watched the imitation game when it first came out in mm -hmm. 2012 and I find that her, well, Kira Knightley as Joan Clark, really inspirational. And I think I also listened to a podcast um, where somebody, I think they interviewed a historian who was an expert on her, so I'll have to work out who that was <laughs> oh, and try to find that podcast? episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just thought it was so cool to see a woman doing kind of cryptography and maths. Yeah. And that is what first inspired me to start CS mm -hmm. when I was at school. Amazing. It's so good because it's about representation ultimately. Like, even though there's been some criticism of that film because mm -hmm. um, Joan Clark was maybe portrayed in a more romantic sense than the reality. Yeah. Um, and there were certain, I think the way they portrayed it in the film was that she filled in a crossword puzzle and she was just like some normal girl and mm -hmm. then she happened to be really good and, and came in and because she was the absolute best they took her on but mm -hmm. in reality they wanted her before sort of, like they went to Cambridge to, to try and persuade her to come and join the team, you know, so they knew that she was um, perfect for the job, so yeah there's been some criticism but I think it's it's ultimately about like representation and making sure that you have those positive role models for 
um, women to, and that's part of what we're doing as well, like yeah. to try and improve the outreach. Mm -hmm. And definitely also knowing that you can do it because you're not really seeing too many women in that in this industry, and especially historically when you go back and you're like, wow, um, this is actually something that just probably wasn't publicized. I mean, there were women doing amazing work for quite a long time, but like the fact that Joan Clark faced this glass ceiling despite mm -hmm. her like being absolutely fantastic and wonderful was just, it's just eye-opening really. And you just think there must have been so many other women who were, had the potential to be doing maths, to be doing mm -hmm. early computer science and to be involved in it, but you had to really be like the top of the top to get yeah. into the room and to like have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and then not even get a degree after it. I mean, that's the whole thing as well. It's like yeah. you do all of this work and you're amazing at what you do, but then you don't get a degree after it. And that's just kind of like, I guess that would be that would put people off. I mean, yeah. if you know that the academic um, community is just against you because of mm -hmm. such an arbitrary thing. These stereotypes, for mm -hmm. sure. So yeah, I guess that's Joan Clark. We're very excited to have talked about her and. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone does know a historian who's an expert on her, we'd love to have them on the podcast as well. Um, I hope we're honouring her, so I hope that we can, you know, um, carry on her legacy in, like, any little way that we can. Yeah, use um, her as a role model for exactly. sure. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but the reason that we kind of have Katie and Anna on the podcast today is because we just kind of wanted to discuss our own personal experiences as being students of computer science um, and talk about, you know, how we found our... Because we're all fourth years now, so we've been here for a long time. We've been here a while. We've been here a while, so we want to discuss, like, how we found our four years here, um, any kind of challenges that we faced, yeah. um, kind of what we learned from this experience, and maybe what advice we would give to ourselves, like, coming in. Yeah, um, advice to your younger self. That's always a good one. That's always a good one, yeah. Um, I actually don't know what to tell my younger self. I'd be like, you know, you just got to ask questions, but I already did that. You go, girl. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we know Anna was inspired by Joan Clark. Um, Katie, yeah. do you want to tell us why you I think even from like primary school, when you were like 10 or 11, we started using Scratch. And I think it was just such a good visual way to kind of get you like interested in coding and stuff. Mm -hmm. and right through high school, our computer science department was heavily female teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really like important and kind of showing like the girls in school that you know you can have like female teachers and I had the same teacher from second year to through to sixth year and I think just kind of when you're in an advanced higher class of like 15 guys and two girls or mm -hmm. something but knowing that the teacher is like women and like mm -hmm. I think it was just really encouraging to see people like you can believe that you can you can do it because there's other women that are there even although you're definitely outnumbered in the class mm -hmm. yeah and I think as well it's just wanting to like make a difference and wanting to go into this like career just because it's not the norm really for like women to mm -hmm. do it you know it's just something new and like it's just I think it's such an exciting field and I just want to like be there and be involved and yeah. Yeah. Just so ultimately, be part of it. it is. It always comes down to representation, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. And that's almost what we want to like give back a little bit. Like mm -hmm. now that we're in fourth year, you mm -hmm. see so many students kind of considering CS, and mm -hmm. like, um, I get emails from prospective students as well asking me like, what is it like to be in the department in St Andrews, and I don't know, is it weird to be the only girl in the class and things like that, and I. I know that so many people have those questions, so yeah, it's about like finding a role model or finding somebody who's done it before you so yeah. you don't feel like 
the only one in the room, even yeah. if you are the only one in the room. Yeah, in I think as well, like, there's such a big, if you think about like computer science and you think, okay, there's not going to be very many girls in here or like women and it's going to be like very male heavy or whatever. Mm. And yeah, it like puts people off, but I think it's about like kind of seeing over that and just saying like, right, we're all here for the same thing at the end yeah. of the day, you know, it's making mm -hmm. sure that you do it because you want to do it and not because you're like, oh, this course is more female heavy, it might be easier to like yeah. kind of get on yeah. with the people, but at the end of the day, like everyone's nice, you survive <laughs> the degree, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's definitely yeah. true. I mean, like despite the cohort being like more skewed um, towards like males than like females, um, you still like meet really great people and you still have that support and I think that that's defi definitely something to be said is that when we did come to St Andrews like I have never felt like I was ever going to be like completely alienated um, yeah. just because I was a woman. I mean I think that's a really important uh, thing to say. Yeah mm -hmm. I think we've all faced like challenges in this but it's never because like somebody else has discriminated or yeah. been putting us down or something. I think a lot of the challenge that I faced in computer science has honestly been like internal, you know, yeah. like, like your own so perspective true. on like so true. being aware, you know, like if you're sitting in a lecture and it's like there's five like yeah. females and you're yeah. just you're more aware of the fact that there's a difference and that can make it harder to mm -hmm. like see past sure. it. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you were just didn't pay attention to the fact yeah. of like the the difference in like the numbers mm -hmm. it's almost not easier but it's like you can see past it yeah. more because it's just yeah. I feel like it's such a focused on thing everyone's yeah. like okay, the, the gender split like mm -hmm. this many males this many females you I know? think it comes down to imposter syndrome too, too which I think is something that's not at all gender specific like that's yeah. something that everybody faces but these types of things feed into that and like feed the imposter syndrome so yeah. if you're already feeling a little bit like uncertain about being um in a degree in this degree or in this class or something and mm -hmm. you're not sure if you can do the work and then you feel like you're the odd one out that's yeah. never going to help you in that situation but yeah I think there's something to be said as well of like when I was choosing competing back in like third year of high school or something like that it felt like so much more of a big deal than it does now mm -hmm. and I think as you go through it gets easier but it's it's partly that thing of when you're a teenager peer pressure and like yeah. feeling like you have to do what your friends do is a huge thing I think that that's so true. a much bigger thing for teenagers than like as you get later in life you realize that you have to do your own thing and yeah, like, focus absolutely. on what you're interested in yeah. but yeah I remember having to make that decision and deciding to be the only one in the class and being fine with it and mm -hmm. being like right and you kind of have to deal with all the things that that brings yeah but every year you'd kind of get into another class and you'd be like well now I've got the same experience as yeah. everybody else and you've done it before yeah. and therefore you can do it again and I think like in a very physical way you know when you're like going to class and like all of your friends are going to a different class and you have to yeah. go to this other class and you have to kind of just sit there and be like very aware that you're the only one there mm -hmm. it's a bit like it's a bit daunting definitely but like as you go through the motions after the first two years I was like I've done it before yeah. and I'll do it again and it's just that what it is yeah. but then I went to labs and I like made so many friends you know yeah so and in St Andrews our computer science buildings have labs where mm -hmm. we can all go and there's no kind of hierarchy between your groups or anything like yeah. that which yeah. is one of the best things I've found I think St. that's Andrews. definitely one thing that kind of sold me to yeah. St Andrews because mm -hmm. some of the unis I visited like elsewhere it was 
this building's just for first year, this building's yeah. just for second mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And I feel like that really separates the years, whereas, like, our lab environment is so helpful. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember in the first year, like, fourth years helping us out, mm-hmm. like, PhD students helping mm-hmm. us out. Like, it really was... Very like, communal. Everyone's there rather than kind of just one year group being set aside to, like, one... Yeah. One lab. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you definitely do gravitate towards the other women in the room as well. Definitely. And you kind of... Like, I feel like we know every woman in yeah. our year. In our year, like, literally. A lot of them in the school, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you've got something... Us, but it's like you've got something common to, like, instantly bond you, you know. You can, like, instantly go over and be like, why did you pick CS? Yeah. And normally they always have a story to tell, you yeah. know, which I find really interesting. Um... But it's, you do gravitate towards that. And, like, yes, we do probably know all of the girls in computer science. Um, yeah. I think so, too. That I was going to ask you next, actually. Why did you pick computer science? Why yeah. did I pick computer science? Well, I actually joined the uni on an econ degree. Um, because, basically, I did computer science at GCSE. And then we didn't have enough, enough like, people wanted to do it at A-level. So I did do it for two years. Okay. Then I came here, and my mum was very much like, you should pick computer science because you really enjoyed it at GCSE and I was like not really thought about that in like years so then I picked it and I really enjoyed it and I spoke to my I spoke to my advisor or I think one of the lecturers and I was like I'm feeling a bit worried I haven't done computer science in ages like am I going to be able to keep up um and it wasn't just I don't know what it was, but I just felt like I was already behind and it was first year, first semester and I was like, already don't know anything. Yeah. So they were very like nice and like calming and they were like, it's fine, it's an intro course, you'll be fine. So that's kind of why, so I kind of picked CS as like one of my extra modules. I never was going to continue with it, but then I really enjoyed it and I was like, honestly, I kind of want to stick with CS, kind of want to stick with econ. And then I started doing an econ and CS degree, which a lot of people ask me about. They're like, that's quite a weird degree. Like, why do you do that? And it's because, like, I love both of these subjects so much. Mm -hmm. And for CS, it was, like, such a welcoming community. It was such a supportive atmosphere that I was like, I honestly can't see myself leaving this behind. And, like, I would always miss something. So that's kind of why I took CS. That's a good story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it is a big thing when you come in to St. Andrew's in particular doesn't assume any CS knowledge before yeah. you take the course. Yeah. Um, all you have to have is maths. So it really is like an intro. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had the same thing. Like I'd done computer science for I think three years before I came to do it at uni, but I'd had a year break mm-hmm. because we didn't do advanced higher course in my school. Mm-hmm. And I remember just having that feeling as soon as I came in that even though they were teaching us like the basics, like what is a variable, you know, <laughs> I was still like aware of the fact that there were a lot of people in the room who had a huge amount of coding experience. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what added to the kind of the confidence, yeah. the lack of confidence more than the lecturers or anything that the school did. They're incredibly supportive and yeah. always very helpful, but you would always kind of be quite aware of everybody else's experience levels yeah. as well. So I think yeah. that can, can be difficult. Because I do think, in general, there is that trend that, um, just based on our kind of friend group, that a lot of us came in with not as much knowledge of mm. coding or not as much, like, practice, and we hadn't really had the friend... Like, I certainly didn't have a friend group in school that were all sitting coding together or, yeah, like, doing same. programming projects together yeah. or anything like that. So um, it was almost like I had less access to, mm. I don't know, that kind of stuff in school and I hadn't had as much practice outside of a sort of strict academic sense. Yeah, I get um, you. 
in like a in like a casual CS way, you know, I wasn't just like casually um, learning about computers and like operating system or anything like that. Yeah. So when I came into uni, I was like, I don't really know if my question is stupid or like if it's something I'm meant to know or if it's valid. And I kind of had to like leave those worries at the door and yeah. just be like, I just need to ask this question because they are literally assuming I know nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was really good because I felt like I could actually get like the support I needed from like the right like, basic grassroots level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what like Rona was saying about starting teaching it from like nothing, even if you already know stuff, I think it was good to almost like reset yeah. your knowledge and te- so everyone kind of does it at least the same way for, for a yeah. bit from the start mm-hmm. yeah and it kind of doesn't level the playing field because obviously people have more practice and more knowledge but you feel that like you're kind of on the same starting level at least yeah. with yeah. like the whole like class mm-hmm. like you get a good like foundation to start with and you kind of learn like good programming principles as you go along. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, I really enjoyed the report writing section of our <laughs> practicals. So uh, if for James, if, our technician is shaking his head. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, basically, for our practicals, you have to do the coding bit, and then you've got to write a report about it. I love writing the reports because for me, it was like explaining to my past self, you know, what it was, where to begin. Because I would start each practical and be like, oh my god. So it was kind of like going through the motions and at the end I'd be like, right, what would I tell myself like two weeks ago? I think the big thing with the practicals is when you start them, you look at them and you're like, I cannot do this. It seems like such a mountain. Yeah. And then when you're writing the report at the end, you're saying to yourself, okay, that was actually like, all right. Yeah. Like, I made it to the end of Mm -hmm. it. But the initial starting is something... I think, like you were saying, like saying to like our past selves and like first and second year, like don't panic when you look at a practical. Yeah. Just like breathe yeah. and yeah. break it up and you'll be fine. Yeah. Because it's just that initial shock. You're saying, I've got two weeks. This is never going to be done. I'm <laughs> never going to manage this. You know. So, I was going to ask Anna. You ended up doing CS and philosophy at yeah. uni. So, what was your kind of thought process of getting into that joint degree? Um, oh, that's quite a hard question because I, I originally wanted to do something like um, philosophy and psychology mm-hmm. and well I was thinking philosophy, psychology and maybe linguistics mm-hmm. and then I realised much like Joan Clark, I only speak one language <laughs> <laughs> and that maybe wasn't the best choice for me um, and then yeah it was after that I got into computer science and I thought it was kind of the most interesting of all the subjects I'd ever done at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, philosophy and CS are really strongly linked mm-hmm. um, through logic, which I'm not so good at, but it's still <laughs> an interesting link. Neither and, am I. Um, yeah, now I really like all of the data ethics stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just so great that, because a lot of universities in the UK now offer CS and philosophy as a joint degree, which is really cool. And it just seemed like the logical choice for me because it combined the two most I would say the most interesting subjects that Scotland offer mm-hmm. as a higher, de- like a higher qualification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's a really interesting one because there's so many, like, new problems coming up in the future of yeah. technology. Of like, um, there's the whole sort of classic thing of like 
driverless cars and things yeah, like that yeah. and the ethics of those. Yeah. One that I was talking to my family about over Christmas was the metaverse and Facebook's new oh, yeah. plan for us all to be yeah. digital and there's a lot of like ethics and morality in terms of that. Mm -hmm. Whether we should all be living inside a simulation or whether that's a terrible <laughs> dystopian <laughs> idea. It's like you're like voluntarily going into the matrix, you know? Exactly. You're just like, yes, this is what I want. Plugging in. It's quite scary. Yeah. I know, I mean, it's kind of terrifying the idea that you're going to just wake up and speak to everybody ever through like a VR headset, yes. you know, like you turn to someone, Terrific. there's an avatar and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I feel comfortable about that, you know? <laughs> yeah, interesting. So I think that's, there's a lot of new problems that are come up, going to come up and having people who know about philosophy and computer science will be so useful to yeah. handle those problems and to like have those important discussions mm -hmm. so that we don't have killer AI running around. Oh, yeah, definitely true. Yeah. I think I would definitely encourage people to do a joint degree as well. I don't know if you would as well, Ira. Oh, I definitely um, would, yeah. Because, yeah, I think it's so, the interdisciplinary work is yeah. very big right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. like, lots of people want people who are from two different fields and yeah. especially like what Ira was saying about the reports, mm -hmm. I think doing philosophy, I don't know if you found that, doing econ mm -hmm. has definitely helped my report writing. Yeah. And now that we have to write a dissertation, yeah. I think for a lot of CS people, it's quite a big leap to go from writing code to immediately having to write a kind of several thousand words long yeah. report. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's really good having like some extra... I just want to put people off just doing straight CS. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, to clarify as well, when we're talking about practicals, basically, we generally have, like, assignments every couple of weeks yeah. in CS, and mm -hmm. they're, like, a programming part, um, but there's a lot of focus on testing and stuff as well. So yeah. we do programming and testing, and then you write a report to basically explain your design decisions and how you implemented it mm -hmm. and kind of evaluate what you've done. So. That was the standard way that St Andrews does, or Computer Science in St Andrews, they do all of their assignments all yeah. the way through. Um, so if we call them practicals, that's what they are. Um, and yeah, those are the reports that we're talking about. Um, I think the practicals is like a good way of like building your knowledge. Yeah. I know like some unis kind of do just like one big practical assessment at the end, mm -hmm. or, or like their practicals are kind of worth like less, but I Quite, I think it's good building on like your progress and definitely as the years go on, creating like bigger pieces of software mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing your progress from like the, the very first practical we did, which was like a calculator yeah. for some, like, a wedding or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like to like the practicals that you're like creating like third and fourth year are just like leaps so much and bigger. bounds above yeah. it. But like the groundwork for them all is the same. Like the process of how you do them, like the report writing. Mm -hmm your design decisions they all remain the same from like day one mm -hmm. yeah and like the process of getting to the final like project stuff i recently looked back at my first year practicals and i was horrified um, <laughs> but also pleased because i've come so far yeah, since yeah I get you. the code that i was writing at the very start of uni um so it's quite interesting to see like you can really learn an insane amount in four years um, yeah and come so far that but, is so true and you also like because as katie was saying it's day one um writing the report and like kind of analyzing and evaluating your design decisions it kind of helps you become a better programmer in the future where like you realize some of the design decisions you may have made in the past yeah, were not definitely. always the best for the particular problem you were trying to solve yeah so that really does help like the evaluation section can be like really useful because mm -hmm. you're like if i was doing this again if i had more time i wouldn't do oh, this yeah, yeah, but yeah. i would do this and then yeah. in future practicals you 
do like what you said you would have done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good way to improve on your skills, mm-hmm. really. And you feel more and more confident as like time goes on. And you know, when you're kind of getting the positive feedback from your lecturers and tutors, because you're doing like, you're putting the effort in, you're putting the work in, and you begin to realize that this is a very accessible pathway. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, maybe you're like, I'm a bit like, it's a bit daunting. But then as time goes on, you realize that like you're more than capable yeah. and you've got this great support network and it really like sees you through. And like I'm nostalgic about the past three and a half years, you know. It's getting closer to like graduation now. Exactly. Like you look back at like your first year, first semester, first week self. Yeah. And just, you just have a different view, I think, once you've been through all of like, not the level of difficulty, but like the, not even like workload, but just overthinking yeah. the smallest of things which That's I think okay. I'm definitely guilty of overthinking mm-hmm. some simple thing in a practical like multiplying two numbers together and you're like is <laughs> yeah. this even correct yeah. yeah I fully get that yeah absolutely I think having the same person mark your practicals every two weeks as well was really helpful yeah I don't know if you guys in first year it was always yeah. the same yeah. person marking mine mm-hmm. and they could tell even though it's anonymous so they can't tell who you are they can still see how much you're progressing yeah. 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 and if you've implemented the stuff that you said two weeks before that mm-hmm. you would mm-hmm. want to do if you had more time mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah I found that really helpful because they would kind of they would say in their feedback that mm-hmm. that's great that you've made so much progress and that you understand this concept now yeah. that even just a month ago you had no idea yeah I don't know, you didn't know what an array was and now, <laughs> yeah. now here you are implementing yes. them and manipulating them I think that was the thing that struck me the most was that although it's a beginner's kind of intro to programming, it was a steep learning curve. It did and like it felt, quickly speed up. Yeah, definitely. and it was like it was steep enough that you kind of felt like you were kind of running to keep up a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, by the end of it, I've now realised that after four years, it's steep every single semester, <laughs> and yeah. I'm always amazed that I managed to do all of the work by the end of the semester. And yeah. I think it's one of those things where. I just know that if I'd been trying to teach myself to program, like the, it would have been so much harder because of the imposter syndrome and the mm-hmm. confidence, um, because you wouldn't have maybe pushed yourself so hard. Whereas if you're in an environment like this where everybody just gets on with it mm-hmm. and everybody's so willing to learn and willing to help each mm-hmm. other, you just kind of take on the challenge without really thinking, oh, is this too hard for me? Is it not? You yeah. just kind of think, well by the end of the semester I'm going to have to do the work and exactly. now that we're in fourth year I suppose in hindsight you can see that like you learn really well in that way as long as you sort of keep putting in the effort and don't get too bogged down too psyched out yeah yeah by the imposter syndrome I think what Anna was saying about like the feedback and stuff definitely helps because it's really like detailed it's not just you did like a good job it's mm-hmm. kind of they really do give you areas especially in first and second year I feel that where you have to like improve or what style you could do like programming report writing that the tutors definitely did give you like so many ways to improve on your report and your coding Mm -hmm. and I think it really helps when you're going in not really having had much feedback on previous coding because I know through school it's kind of just oh you just you've done it you've like passed this bit of like coursework or whatever Mm -hmm. it was in high school but now you get proper feedback to Mm -hmm. grow and like improve on yourself Mm -hmm. yeah so the next question I was going to ask is what are you both doing after uni? What are your plans and what will you do with your degree kind of thing in the future? I don't know who wants to go first. Katie maybe? Oh uh, yeah, I'll go first. So I'm graduating this summer, hopefully. Um, 
but I've got a graduate job with Barclays in Glasgow, so I'll be working as a technology developer, I think is the job title, I'm not 100% sure, but it's just basically using all the skills throughout uni and then going into like different teams in Barclays and creating pieces of software, like fixing bits of software and all of that. And I did an internship with them over summer, like last summer, and it's amazing even just like having, I think it was eight weeks in industry, you see how much what you've learned in uni like really helps. Mm -hmm. Like the agile way of like programming, like your scrum meetings from your third year group projects, like they like help so much and just the way of thinking of like tackling problems and stuff I feel uni really does prepare you for like a place of work like Barclays like any kind of big company like that mm -hmm. yeah and yeah so that is my plans and I'm really looking forward to it uh, <laughs> I'm worried about jinxing my plan now um, <laughs> I, I'm also graduating in June and I am really hoping to do a PhD here um next year but yeah, I've not had the interview yet, so I'm not sure who <laughs> from the department's going to listen to this. Um, whoever it is, give Anna a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> she would be amazing. She would be great, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I just want to, yeah, I've discovered while at uni that I really love data ethics. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I want to keep researching that. Maybe more the, the implicit stuff rather than kind of meta taking over the world yeah. <laughs> maybe start smaller than meta yeah. Yeah. we've got a few years before they hit anyway yeah um, I yeah, actually want to ask sorry. sorry go on no you go first uh, I just wanted to ask like where your interest in data ethics began to, de began to develop oh, that's also a really hard question I'm sorry <laughs> I because I suppose it's interesting because I like the stuff in philosophy I like was more kind of scientific mm -hmm. and more kind of related to physics. Mm -hmm. So like metaphysics mm -hmm. and all of that and epistemology. Um, and yeah, not so much the ethics for the first couple of years of uni. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, a lot of those other branches are related to ethics. And a lot of the stuff we've done in CS has related to ethics in some way. Mm -hmm. And obviously looking at the news, you can see that everything mm -hmm. in CS really is related to ethics. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it seemed like the logical crossover point between the two. I don't know how to answer your question. No, I'm, I just wanted to know because there's not really like a data ethics module within CS as far as I remember from like mm -hmm. first, second or mm -hmm. third year. So I was kind of wondering like where you began to like branch out of like um, the stuff that's taught yeah. and like begin to like do your own research because I, I found that really cool. I suppose it's a slightly, um, I don't know, not problematic book. Um, uh, it's not, some people say that this book's really good. Mm -hmm. Some CS people would have some doubts about the scientific method. Mm -hmm. right. But I really liked Surveillance Capitalism mm -hmm. by Shoshana Zaboff. Mm -hmm. or what's it called? The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and yeah, she basically talks about all the problems with companies like Google and Facebook and mm -hmm. Amazon and how that technology can be used in a way that is kind of just terrifying and yeah, yeah hugely impacts people's lives in a negative way yeah um, it's crazy to hear how much data they really have on us mm -hmm. and yeah yeah the amount of 
stuff they stuff into their terms and conditions that we don't read and just we all just like scroll down like okay okay agree yeah (laughs) well i think if you if one person tried to read all of the terms and conditions of everything we sign up for Mm -hmm. it would be i think more than a full-time job that's there's some terrifying statistic that's awful so it's just not possible and they know it's not possible obviously Yeah. yeah um so yeah that's why I'm so interested. So I did a lot of kind of extracurricular reading mm-hmm. and then now there is a data ethics module mm-hmm. which is really good for yeah. it. it's a fifth year module. And I was going to ask you because you did your project over the summer as well and mm-hmm. I was wondering if that's kind of influenced your interest in doing a PhD as well. Because... Yeah definitely because it's really related. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's what yeah I would maybe one of the things I would say to my younger self is to go for more research assistant opportunities. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, there were so many in kind of first and second year mm-hmm. that I just would never have applied for because mm-hmm. I would have thought I'm not going to be the best candidate because I don't know as much as other yeah. people. Um, but I think, especially there were team ones as well, aren't there? I think yeah. you've done some era. I, don't, I did one in um, econ. But there are definitely some team ones that I have heard of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are so many opportunities, and mm-hmm. I would encourage people to just apply for them. Because mm-hmm. even yeah. if you don't get them, that's not really an issue. Yeah, it's I think it's quite a good one because... So these research schemes happen within the university, and they're usually lecturers who are working on a project and mm-hmm. just need, like, um, somebody to help out with a bit of the work. Mm-hmm. And you get paid a little bit, I think, in yes, most of them. You and you, I think... What I've heard is that you don't always need to have like the most full CV to apply that maybe you would mm-hmm. if you were trying to get an internship. Mm-hmm. And people I think often ask, how do you apply for your first job or your first internship when you haven't got anything related to CS on your CV yet? I remember like applying to my first internship and I had things like, oh, I'm a waitress on my CV <laughs> and they just weren't interested at all because they want to hear about your programming experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like that where you can get in when you know the staff and it's and it's in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, you don't have to be the best candidate. You're there to learn. Yeah. And that's the whole point and do a bit of work and find out about something you didn't know anything about before. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 They're not, oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, as long as you're interested yeah. and enthusiastic, that's really all that they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not necessarily looking for the number, for the person with the highest number of, like, programming experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Katie, do you have something you would say to your younger self? Don't panic. (laughs) I feel like when you are in the labs and comparing, you see everyone working and I think it's, I think especially in first and second year, you compare yourself to everyone that's there and like Mm -hmm. the speed that you're working at in comparison to others, I just think you have like the time and it's just when you look at the practical, just don't panic. Like Mm -hmm. it's just like deep breath, Mm -hmm. think about it. And like you'll manage. I just I feel like sometimes, like computing here can it can feel very constant. Like the, the deadlines and stuff is like every two weeks, mm-hmm. or in some cases every week. Mm-hmm. And it, one thing is keep managing your time good, keep the practicals like spaced out if you can. But mm-hmm. it's just not overthinking. It's a big thing, and the comparison as well to everyone in the labs, I feel like you're always comparing what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you're doing your best and like trying to keep learning, like yeah. it doesn't really matter what everyone else is sitting around just doing as long as you're like making progress in yourself. Mm-hmm. Really? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You're here to learn Sorry. ultimately. Yeah, yeah exactly. What what gone? I was just thinking another way of um thinking about the 
I was thinking to reframe the comparison thing because I also was very panicked, especially in first year, thinking that everybody had five years of experience yeah. and I just knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of a good resource in itself because rather than thinking, oh, I'm the worst and everyone mm-hmm. is really good and is doing practicals immediately, which also just isn't true, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can ask people for help. Yeah. And I think we've Definitely. all found that in yeah. labs, like, people are so willing to help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that and would be there yeah. to help. If anything, you having the least experience is an advantage. Yeah, you have the most to gain, for sure. Yeah. That's exactly. so true. That is really like a good point. Is like you can literally turn to anybody, whether they're in your year or your tier group or Lapped just a PhD, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, like absolutely anything you can ask and they will be there to help you and support you and provide you with an alternative way of like looking at the problem. I mean, I had a lab demonstrator who told me like the way that I was writing my if statements was a little bit clunky. So he like told me how to like <laughs> swap it around, and I was like, my god. Uh-huh. And my life has been has been changed for the better. So yeah. I did have that one guy who deleted all my code. <laughs> That's yeah. really not a good story. <laughs> you just couldn't control- get the point across. <laughs> I do think the lab demonstrators definitely did help as well, and just yeah. having other people. People will sit with you for like hours no, to no, try no, and no, fix no. a bug yeah. in your code. Yeah. Yeah. They would be like sitting and just trying to like debug and they will just keep going until like you realise you've literally missed like you misspelled like a variable name or yeah. Yeah. like Which like something's like so stupid and yeah. that's why your whole code is like not working <laughs> but it is, it's such a helpful environment and I think it's really encouraging environment I think I kind of seek yeah. that as well like in like future roles I will always seek that lab environment because mm-hmm. of that supporting community mm-hmm. and the atmosphere. I feel like it's such a big thing in St Andrews is mm-hmm. the whole labs and like the just the whole like environment that mm-hmm. we like study in because I think in other unis it would probably be different because they're kind of set for different like certain years mm-hmm. for each one but mm-hmm. whereas everyone helps everyone here yeah and it's just a good good community feel you know. I would assume at other unis your tutor probably wouldn't stay until 11 p.m. <laughs> to help you debug your coach. Rona and I have had that experience. Yeah. Anna and I were partnered we actually met doing a proje- programming project module in first year and we were partnered together and I think we just sat and we're like do you know how to code? And both of us went, no. <laughs> and then we tried to work it out and we had the loveliest tutor and she would like sit with us literally for hours and, and try and help us sort of yeah. unso- like solve this massive web of code that we'd created. That she taught us how to debug as well yeah. in IntelliJ because we've never done it before properly. Yeah. It was very, very helpful. <laughs> so it's, there's definitely like always people, and I remember that as well in first year, Ira is the person who will go up to anyone and make friends. And yeah. I remember thinking it was a very good idea to be friends with you, Ira, because <laughs> we'd sit in labs and you'd just like turn to whoever was next to us and be like, my program isn't compiling, can somebody help me? <laughs> then you'd have like five people all over at your computer like, okay, let's fix this. Yeah, I remember there was like master students, they'd be like with their little robots or something and then they'd come over to like help us fix our first year code. <laughs> I was like, this is the only way I can survive, I just need to ask the questions, you know? Yeah. And I think that's sort of what I would say to anybody coming in is ask questions. Because mm-hmm. I think that is like the best way to learn. You're asking a specific question and you get like this answer and it really like kind of opens up your 
your mind to like the different ways you can approach a problem because yeah. cs is very creative in that sense is that there's not just always one solution there's so yeah. many so, different ways to do yeah. that exactly yeah that's another thing definitely don't be put off by other people saying that they're doing something yeah. one way and it's yeah. the only correct yeah. way to do it i think because you hear someone doing it this way and you're like i've not done it that way mm-hmm. but both yeah. ways are like completely valid mm-hmm. it's just knowing that there's so many ways to solve like one practical problem mm-hmm. that will be given mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again it's like try not to compare yourself like mm-hmm. whose code is more efficient like whose code's got the most the most amount of like lines of code like, oh, yeah. or like the most like tests mm-hmm. it's just like just make sure you've done what you think is right and, mm-hmm. and justify it in a report which is a very important part of your practicals as I said before yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, Ada likes reports I love reports um, so, uh, Rona what advice would you give to your younger self I think not to be freaked out about grades as much as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I feel like this is quite a thing for people coming to St Andrews generally, like often people are quite into grades and like maybe mm-hmm. everything's like quite high up in grades. their class yeah. in school. Mm-hmm. And that always struck me as like, first of all, amazing when we first got here because everyone was so like motivated mm-hmm. and excited to learn and mm-hmm. like very academic, mm-hmm. but also slightly intimidating because if you have a group of people where everybody focuses on grades and then you put them all into the same class then you're never going to all be at the top of the class anymore yeah, yeah definitely. at first that kind of that always terrified me um but as I've got through uni and realized that it's more about kind of learning the skills to do something the next thing you know I think mm-hmm. for me coming to uni was like my end goal you know mm-hmm. like coming from school all I wanted to do was get to uni and, and do computer science. And then when I got here, I suddenly was like, oh, what am I going to do afterwards? I haven't thought that through. <laughs> and now that we're getting into like third and fourth year and thinking about future jobs and applying to places, I realised that the skills that you've learnt through doing all these practicals and talking to all these people and like being in this course, they're assessed when you go for a job like yes it's very hard to get a cs mm-hmm. job you have to do technical interviews you have to really show that you know the skills mm-hmm. um but the grades i feel like matter a lot less mm-hmm. and i've started to realize that it's more you should have more focus on on the, that and like the building experience your own of, like experience. the learning and the skills yeah exactly um like i think I have, well I have an internship, I, they don't require me to get any grades this year, like mm-hmm. a lot of people I know have grad jobs where, you know, they don't have oh, I mean, a high say for grades. They just kind of want you to get your degree. Yeah. They don't really, what they don't really not care, but they're kind of like, we've seen that you're capable, just finish uni. Yeah. You've got the skills, just do what you can. And a lot yeah. of companies are absolutely willing to train you as well, like you might not come out feeling like you're a Java programmer or yeah. you're able to do like, I don't know, front end development mm-hmm. and then you get a graduate job and the whole point is that they're going to train you to yeah. be in those specific skill sets for that job. So mm-hmm. And each company has like their own way of doing things as well. St Andrews yeah. teaches you kind of a certain way yeah. of coding. You'll go to a different company or like a different uni if you're doing like a master's or whatever and mm-hmm. it'll be a completely different... Yeah. It's being able to like adapt to new methods as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. is more important than just doing well like it's being able to yeah like look at something and be like okay using the skills that i've learned can i do this well yeah, yeah. for sure you know, that's very true i mean yeah you're right cs is such a growing industry like technology and it's kind of like every day there are new kind of like technologies and like um processes that you can use mm-hmm. and it's kind of about like realizing what's best for the project at the time 
and being able to adapt to that. And at the end of the day, I think that we do get like a very comprehensive set of skills from our our degree. You yeah. know, we've we've used agile, we've you know done things um, iteratively, we've done test driven development, we've done a bunch of like um, different approaches to to the practicals that have been we have been set. And I think that when I come out of this degree, I'll hopefully be a well-rounded person yeah. and I'll be able to kind of express that in interviews, which is what they really want. Yeah. Because I think grades on a piece of paper doesn't really give them a full picture of you. Like, they'd rather yeah. speak to you and, you know, kind of pose a problem and see how you work through it. Mm-hmm. I bet things like the teamwork aspect as well, I feel. Like, yeah. being able to... Because you're going to these jobs to work in teams, they want yeah. to see that you can communicate well, you can yeah. work in teams, which is why I think throughout the first and second year you kind of have like pair mm-hmm. projects or like three people projects mm-hmm. and then third year you've got like your big junior honours project which mm-hmm. is like five or six people mm-hmm. and I think that really gives you like good skills to be able to work in like a team of people you don't really know yeah. mm-hmm. and to like work on a big project which is similar to stuff you would work after you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that you forget our skills that are needed for computer science because when you come in in first year, you just think, oh, I've got to be great at coding, I've got to be really, like, technical, I've got to understand maths and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you forget that, like, when you get out of uni and get into industry, all those other skills, just as in any job, are going to be really important. So, yeah, you need, like, a well-rounded set of skills. Yeah, in my first year, they said, they said don't try and be a wizard, which is someone who's amazing at coding but, like, really can't work in a team. And I think that's kind of been drilled into us, like the entire time we've been here like our lecturers have said that as well and I think every person has kind of like um they've strived to become a good team player good at communication be able to express their design decisions like succinctly and in a like a concise manner so I feel like at the end of the day like you do get a real breadth of skills that go beyond just the technical like you don't come out of this degree being like all I can do is like programming like xyz language and nothing else like Mm -hmm. you do become a formidable asset to any team yeah and the best thing about having a cs degree in my mind is that computer science skills are so useful in so many industries Mm -hmm. that you can have so many interests outside of it you could be doing a joint degree Mm -hmm. like and then there's so many industries that you could go into with those same skills Mm -hmm. and learn the specifics on the job of like what you need Mm -hmm. and i think that was the initial thing that made me think because in school I wasn't that sure of what I wanted to do, computer science seemed like such a good option because you could take those really useful skills and end up anywhere um, doing any kind of job Mm -hmm. that you could possibly imagine. Like I'm interested in educational technology for example, but similarly you could do medical technology, you could go into fintech, Mm -hmm. financial stuff, you could like, you go into the ethics of it for like Mm -hmm. social media or for, I don't know, all sorts of different things. So yeah, there's just so many possibilities with this type yeah. of degree. And I think it's a shame that in schools often, like in my experience, guidance teachers and things, I suppose that's the stigma of women in CS ultimately, mm. is that people forget to suggest it to you when yeah. you're in school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, I always think like, if you're in high school and you have no idea what you want to do and you're good at maths and you're also good at like other things, mm-hmm. Problem this solving. Is genuinely something you should consider doing, mm-hmm. even if you've no experience in doing it before, because you can pick up the skills. They're really mm-hmm. like a lot of courses will teach you from the ground up, mm-hmm. and it's so good to get into a variety of industries. It mm-hmm. makes you very employable. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I know. That's my little elevator pitch for computer science. <laughs> no, but I think you're completely right. I think the fact that you can get into any industry with computer science. I mean, if you want to work at Pixar, you can go and work at Pixar. Yeah. You know, you just need to like like be open to learning how to do graphics and things like that. Like technology is at the center of so many different industries at the moment that like when you pick this course you shut no doors exactly you know you can go and pretty much do whatever you want because technology is just everywhere exactly like, and everything you do like pretty much has technology now mm -hmm. so you could do technology in any shape or form really. it's a great time to be in cs yeah, yeah. I it really is <laughs> and we need more people to do it because there's lots of jobs going and yeah not enough women to fill them yeah so. no, exactly um, but yeah, I feel like we're probably going to round up now. Mm -hmm. um, does anyone have any final thoughts or comments, things that you'd like to share from your experience that we haven't? Like, I think just like, don't be scared. If you think computing's interesting, if you see yourself doing it in the future, like, just do it. Like, just mm -hmm. go for it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, ultimately, it will be a good decision because mm -hmm. there's so many, like, as we were saying, doors that can open. Mm -hmm. And I think St Andrews has a lot of, like, support in place and the computer science department's really great. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you'd be missing out. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. it um, is, I think, it's a, it's a good course, the computer science one here. I do think it's a good layout and yeah. really broad. Like, it's not too specific. Mm -hmm. like, theory, practical, like, it's very, like, good on both sides, kind of. Yeah. Just go for it. And don't let the stigma of women in STEM put you off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have as good a point as that. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, I think that's a good point that it's so broad. Basically, mm -hmm. whichever aspect of CS you're interested in, once you get past kind of first and second year where you have a lot of core modules yeah you can really just do whatever you want mm -hmm. yeah. so if you are more interested in theoretical stuff mm -hmm. if you're I don't know good at maths then logic and yeah stuff like yeah that, yeah there, there are just so many options mm -hmm. um and yeah whether you're good at well if you want to just write code and not do much kind of maths mm -hmm. or writing that is possible mm -hmm. and yeah if you're more interested in writing essays that is also possible. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, one of the broadest subjects, mm -hmm. definitely, yeah. in so terms true. of scope. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Anything you'd like to add, Ira? I just want to say, do the things that scare you. Oh, you yeah, know? that's a good one. I think... Really good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all giving good advice. <laughs> well, I just feel like, when I was younger, when I was younger, three years ago, I would never have gone for like the stuff that really like freaked me out because I always just felt like I needed to know exactly what the module was before going in. But the point of doing a module is to learn things, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. If what it says in the description you enjoy, you go for it, you know? Yeah. And so. even if you don't think you will enjoy it, I find that actually I've got a lot of like internalized thoughts about <laughs> hating databases and then actually taking a module and being like, oh no, that's actually that was a great. good module. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think that's also part of it. And also realizing that, you know, it is hard to be the only person, like it is difficult to be the odd one out or to mm -hmm. feel like the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. But by the time we're all here sitting here as fourth years, like, I know we still all have a little bit of that imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. but I'd also say that I think we're, like, very confident in our sort of position here yeah. because we have had to open those doors ourselves mm -hmm. and had to include ourselves and had to keep saying, you know what, I will be the only person there. I yeah. will just yeah. um, sort of go through that more challenging part mm -hmm. because I think this is a really interesting subject and mm -hmm. something I really and want I to I think do. as well, like, in first year, if you're, like, in a tutorial and you're, like, the only woman there, 
it does is daunting but I feel like as like when you get to like third and fourth year I don't feel like you notice it the same at all that's like so where we are now you could be in a class like full of like 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 guys but you I don't feel like you notice it the same I feel mm-hmm. you're more aware of it when you're just starting uni yeah but I think like as time goes on like it gets less not obvious but it gets less Intimidating that it's like a thing, I feel. For sure. I look at my friends in classes now, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, these are my friends, and like, they will support me, and I will support Mm -hmm. them. And I think that, as we've said, you know, we've, I think we've really driven the point home that it's a supportive atmosphere and great community is the fact that, like, you want to be around these people that, like, raise you up and make you feel like you can do whatever it is that you're putting your mind to. Yeah. And that's what I look for in every room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that I remember being so kind of anxious Mm -hmm. to answer a question in a tutorial in first year and then being so genuinely surprised if I was right Yes, Mm -hmm. and just having like panic for a few minutes that oh no everyone's looking at me Mm -hmm. and yeah Yeah. but now it just feels like talking to friends exactly Yeah. yeah I remember in first year I had like pages and pages of like really detailed answers for my tutorials mm-hmm. but the teacher would ask a question and I would not answer yeah. and like I only realized that I did that very visibly like a couple of months ago when someone was like oh I know you were in my first year tutorial you wrote all of these things and you never said anything <laughs> and I was like oh my god so exposed exposed <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> so don't be like me do say yeah, you know definitely speak up exactly. don't be scared to speak out Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if you're wrong, that's literally what the tutorials are for. You're in a tutorial of like six people. It's the best time you're going to have to like ask these questions mm-hmm. and yeah. learn from your mistakes. You mm-hmm. know, so definitely just go for it. Mm-hmm. And the oh. worst that can happen is you'll be wrong and you'll <laughs> so survive, and then you'll be yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and then you'll know. I love yeah. it. We've left on a very positive note. I feel like that was a lot of good advice. <laughs> like, yeah, anybody who needed a pep talk today, <laughs> listen to that. Got their pep talk. <laughs> Um, so thank you guys so much for being on our first episode of the podcast thank you it was great Mm -hmm. and yeah we're really excited to be doing this we hope that um, we'll be able to get a few more up in the next kind of few months Mm -hmm. and have some interesting guests on maybe we'll get some people from the school Mm -hmm. and outside of the university as well Mm -hmm. and yeah if you have any like ideas anybody who's listening to this and is like oh I really want to know about this thing or Mm -hmm. any questions even if you're at the uni, prospective student, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can contact us on Instagram. We are yeah. Joan Clark Pod <laughs> on Instagram, yeah. and we also have a web website which is JoanClarkPodcast.com, mm-hmm. um, where you can listen to the episodes. Clearly, you found them, so you're already <laughs> well doing well. So you know what's up. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll be updating those as well. Mm-hmm. So. That's all I have to say. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, and being with us here today. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>